We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, guys? It's Tyrone Terry here, and you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. Let me step back for a minute, tired of the gimmicks, see we just focused on winning, ball in the airline center, we bout to get litty, Luca carrying a torch, Borden jumped up off the porch, how you reckon with his force, third season in the game, and he a legend by his fourth, look, after dirt, now the king of Dallas, airline serving as the palace, young team and it's full of talent, want revenge, we accept the challenge, Luca carrying a legacy, what it take to be an MVP, being great, know it cost a fee, know it Really ain't that hard to see. Hold on, wait. Silence the critics, cause they never did it. Pass out Jordan, I ain't woke up the city. Map shoot hot like we straight out the chimney. Go back to Batman, I'm calling them Drizzy. Mo triple doubles, I'm waiting on 50. Step back smoother, you know it's so filthy. If I get down on my team, gonna lift me. Rep the map, step back. Overcame the setbacks. Starting where we left at. Know we gotta get back. Know we gotta get back. Rep the map, step back. Overcame the setbacks. Starting where we left at. Know we gotta get back. Like, know we gotta get back. Let me step back for a minute. 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 How's it going, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Doc Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and DallasBasketball.com colleague, Matt Glatson, and our brand new co-host of the Mavs Step Back Podcast, Grant Afseth. Grant, how's it going, man? How you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm excited to be a part of the show. Always love listening. It's uh, cool to be a part of it. Yeah, we we've really enjoyed uh, you know working with you with uh, DallasBasketball.com since you came on. I I think it's been like a, a couple of months now, maybe I, I've lost track of it. But uh, this this just seemed like a natural progression. It, you know, it was uh, Matt and I had been talking about you know adding another voice into the mix, and you know it gives us more flexibility if if somebody can't record and. Uh, you know, it, it was just, a, it was bound to happen and I'm glad you're part of the team now. And look, well, we're going to jump right into it guys, but the Mavs, they didn't have any picks in this draft. So, I mean, it, it's not like we could have expected much tonight, but at the very least, I kind of expected them to make a move or two in order to, you know, clear some cap space. Uh, if they're truly going to 
try to retain THJ and also go after Kyle Lowry. Uh, Josh Richardson opting to, you know, not exercise his uh, player option until August 1st. That kind of delays things a little bit. Couldn't do anything with him tonight. Uh, You know, uh, Dwight Powell, though, I I thought maybe they could uh, find a taker for him because around the trade deadline earlier this past season, I heard that there was – there was a little more trade interest in him than what most Mavs fans would have thought. Not a lot, but, you know, enough to where I was thinking, okay, well, maybe they can do something with him. So, quiet night so far for the Mavs. Not saying that can't change here as the second round is still going on. Uh, Mark Followell earlier uh, apparently said that the Mavs, uh, they have some players they like or they've pegged as first-round talents. You know, if they if they fall into that, you know, mid-second round range, they could potentially trade up for them, but we'll just have to see how it goes. But, um, Grant, we'll start with you, and then we'll go over to Matt. I mean, what's your thoughts on this draft night so far overall, and then from a Mavs perspective? Yeah, I thought there were some very interesting uh, selections, like Josh Giddy going to the OKC Thunder at number six was, uh, you know, a little interesting. I, I think people were starting to give him some more uh, steam around his stock closer to the, you know, draft night. But seeing him at six was pretty interesting. And I think uh, Sacramento Kings taking Davion Mitchell was very interesting. Uh, like Tyrese Halliburton yes. had some good signs. And he's uh, two years younger than Davion Mitchell. I thought that was a little interesting for sure. Yeah, and the thing with Davion Mitchell, I don't know if you saw it, but <laughs> somebody somebody asked him like hey did you work out for the kings you know before the draft did, i guess kind of kind of trying to ask him if he thought this was a legit possibility for him and he was just like i just don't want to i don't want to talk about that <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that didn't seem that didn't seem very promising for them and it was all i mean it's kind of an odd pick because now you have davion mitchell darren fox and uh halliburton you know, on the same team. It seems like they're, that's kind of a, a log jam there. Rick Carlisle would be doing cartwheels because he loves having as many guards as possible. But uh, it, it was kind of a head-scratcher, in my opinion. Uh, Matt, I know you're not, you know, a draft guru. You don't, you know, keep up with all the picks and everything. But you have a couple of Texas guys you've been keeping an eye on due to your uh, Longhorn site, like Kai Jones uh, ended up going to Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have not been paying much attention to, to all this stuff, but, um, you know, that, that's what happens when Texas and Oklahoma both decide to move to the SEC. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's exciting because uh, Kai Jones is a, is a fantastic athlete, and he's got a lot of upside. And, um, you know, he, he's kind of a boomer bust pick, I think. He probably should have stayed one more year at Texas. Um, but you know, with, with the new coaching staff coming in, I'm not surprised. He just kind of wanted a, a fresh start and, and, and to move on to the next level. But, uh, he has an opportunity to be very good. Uh, he can do a lot of different things and he's, he, he can block shots. He can, he can rebound, he can score, he can do a lot. So, um, Charlotte got a good player. Yeah. And I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Kai Jones, he was one of the guys that, you know, if the Mavs did have a a pick in this first round this year uh he's a guy that i would have been interested in uh but obviously i mean the Mavs didn't even have a second round pick because they traded their only 
pick in this draft in the second round to New Orleans for J.J. Redick in that deal, and you know we we saw how that turned out. It didn't <laughs> didn't really didn't really turn out too well for him. But uh, again, the night is not over yet. There there could still be some uh, some trade activity. Uh, as Matt Phillips just mentioned in the chat down there, they could be you know active in the undrafted free agency market, which I feel like the Mavs are always active there. That's how they got Dorian Finney-Smith. Um, I think Maxi Kleba was just like a regular free agent after that, but he was still uh, still undrafted. But I think most of the angst from Mavs Twitter and just Mavs fans in general is coming from the fact that you have this brand-new GM, you have a brand-new coach, you know, uh, supposedly – they have really good connections around the league. And, you know, this is the first opportunity for that regime to make a, a big splash or a, or at least a first move. And I think everybody's just really anticipating that first move. And it's kind of – everybody's just a little impatient right now. <laughs> when, when, I mean, uh, somebody made a, a good point earlier. You know, the Mavs, they really need to see what they have with their draft picks from last year. Uh, you know, to, to give them a shot and see what they really have because they really didn't get that much of a shot. Uh, Josh Green played more than anybody else, and he didn't even play a lot. So uh, that's one of the upsides, in my opinion, uh, making the change from Rick Carlisle. I think a lot of these younger guys will have a much more um, – uh, they'll have more of an opportunity going into this next season. They'll get more playing time, and if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But Matt, you remember last year, I mean, we were raving over that draft class because it seemed like they really knocked it out of the park because all those guys they got, I mean, they can play. It's just it was an unconventional season. They really didn't get a full summer. And then, you know, we kind of knew that they weren't going to get a a lot of opportunities under Rick Carlisle. So I'm still holding out hope for that draft class. Yeah, I the, the thing that gives me the most hope is that Rick Carlisle's gone. He hates young kids. He's like the the old man sitting on the front porch yelling, "Get off my lawn!" Um, <laughs> and he just he just doesn't like to play young players. And Matt Phillips just said it in the chat. He's going to play the kids. He, he's going to he's going to give Josh Green a chance. He's going to give Tyler Bay a chance. Uh, hopefully, if Tyrell Terry ever gets back on the court, um, you know he'll he'll get a chance as well. So. That's the most exciting part about that draft class for me is just that they have someone who um, will give them some confidence to be on the floor. Now, it it is frustrating that they haven't really done anything yet um, while these other teams are sitting here making these deals. But, hey, look, you know, this is kind of what we're used to at this point. Uh, Mark Cuban's making the decisions, even though there's technically a new staff in place, and we knew that going in. So, um I'm kind of anticipating the same sort of offseason as we're used to. I, I know that's not really a lot of what people want to hear, but there's also been talk about Kyle Lowry, which kind of, you know, kind of fits, I guess, a little bit. Um, He'd be an excellent fit, in my opinion. And, I mean, I I mean, we can kind of transition into this, and then I'm, I'm going to start bringing up people. But, uh, you know, the, the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook Kirk. today. Kirk, and we're going to speak, you coward. He did. He's waiting. <laughs> Hold Sorry, on just a second. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and bring Kirk up. Kirk, what's God, up, man? 
I'm tired. You're tired. I'm very tired. Look, where I was going with this is the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook. And, you know, they were rumored to maybe have some interest in DeMar DeRozan and uh, maybe they were going to trade for Buddy Heald. And, you know, the Lakers, they're, they're, they're connected to, like, every player in rumors pretty much. So uh, now that that trade has gone down, it, it kind of makes me wonder, like, what, what's the domino effect here? Like, how can the Mavs get involved in something from this going into free agency? Because, uh, you know, Kyle Lowry, he's the, he's the main guy that, everybody's connected the Mavs to now and supposedly that's their their plan a since they're they've kind of given up on the Kawhi dream which was you know predictable I I had my pipe dream but that was predictable it was happening it would happen but you know if the Pelicans come out and offer Kyle Lowry uh 36 million dollars a year like they're capable of doing you can't really blame Kyle, Kyle Lowry for going to New Orleans over Dallas. So if that happens, then maybe we start looking at like Lonzo Ball because uh, I think it was reported that the Pelicans would have to renounce him, make him an unrestricted free agent if they're going to, uh, you know, uh, if they're going to bring in Kyle Lowry. So that's kind of the stuff we're going to have to start looking at if that falls through. But I mean, what are some domino effects that you guys are looking for? Kirk, we'll let you talk first, and, you know, we'll transition over to Grant. I mean, my, like, domino effect of uh, for free agency, I mean, I I, I hate this idea, but I, I sort of think that, that my our buddy Josh Bowe thinks that, that, like, DeRozan is, like, the Mavs fallback option, like Monta way back in uh, 2014, and... I don't know. I, you know, I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to stop making fun of the KP workout videos and start like pumping myself up about them because a lot of the <laughs> today today was just like a harsh reminder that there is just no market for him right now, and that that is what it is. And he and Luca work, and so anything else on top of that is is pretty solid. Um, I don't know. I, I, I keep joking about this, but I'm really more excited for the fact that the Mavs have a new cap guy more than anything else. Um, at least somebody else involved in the cap stuff. So above all else, I think we're at least going to see some creative stuff. Maybe it might not work, but it's not going to be, I don't know if there's any, if there's any like goings on about, uh, you know, punting down the road for cap space, all of us have to revolt at the same time. Even Nick and Isaac, you hear me, you happy sons of bitches. Well, Kirk, let, let me, and before we go any further with this, I feel like I need to say, like, congratulations. You're now a, a Texas resident of Dallas, well, outside Dallas resident, but, I mean, you're right there now, and you just traveled all across the country, and you definitely sound like you need to get a few Zs, but <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I really do. I, I sound like shit. I, I'm very glad you made it, though, because, I mean, it, it – it, just from keeping up with you on Twitter, it seemed like you had a, a tough go there <laughs> for a few days. Just, just, I, the the, the long-haul trucker life is not for me. I am a soft blogger. Can't be doing this stuff. All right, you guys be good. Maybe the, maybe I'll wake up to some weird, cool Mavs news. Kirk, before you go, um, I have to ask, are you excited about the Central 
game times now instead of East Coast? I, I cannot express how excited that makes me. Like, just that extra hour is going to change my life. But then the flip side is I'm, I'm within three miles of a Raising Cane's, so I'm going to become, like, housebound obese. <laughs> Love it. That's a, welcome to my uh, dilemma living in South Mississippi. So that, uh, <laughs> we also have raising canes. Uh, all right. Well, Grant, we're going to pivot to you again now here. Um, I guess my question is, and we talked about this earlier because just some fallback options for the Mavs and some stuff, you know, kind of looking at how the draft went tonight for other teams and how that could potentially affect the Mavs and, uh, we were talking about a team that you have covered uh, in the past, and the, the Indiana Pacers, and uh, specifically Miles Turner. Uh, I'm wondering if you know how how viable do you think it could be that the Mavs could make a move for Turner, given what happened in the draft. Yeah, I think the Pacers uh, made an aggressive move uh, to kind of insulate themselves in the event they were to move Turner. Uh, like packaging, what was it, like three or four second-round picks to get the 31 and then move Aaron Holiday plus the 31 for Isaiah uh, Jackson, like that, another shot blocker. And they already have, uh, our, prior to the draft, three centers on the roster. I think, uh, you know, that that's definitely an interesting name to watch. There's not a ton of teams out there that are going to be needing uh, a center in our win-now mode as well, too. So I think and and have the cap flexibility. So that would be an interesting name for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I think and we've talked about his his fit before too. But Miles Turner, he would be just excellent in Dallas. You know, they definitely need some rim protection. Uh, if they're gonna, I'm I'm kind of wondering though because the Mavs really like to play KP at the five. Uh, you know, ideally when he is who he's supposed to be. You play him at the five, but you know with Miles Turner, that's been kind of part of the dilemma in Indiana. I believe is you know having him and Sabonis playing together, and you know they really, I guess both of them should. Or people think they should be playing the five. So I mean, how would you envision that kind of fit uh, if he did make it to Dallas? Because I mean, on paper, what he brings, his skill set, and everything, you know, it seems like it'd be perfect, but. You know, if you get the version of KP that we saw in the playoffs or towards the end of last season, then, you know, I, it, it may be kind of iffy there. But what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it'd be iffy if uh, uh, Porzingis continues to struggle with his movement like he did in the playoffs and after his latest injury. I think, uh, yeah, I think it probably wouldn't be atop the board of, of options for sure. I think, uh, you know, if I remember seeing some rumors before, uh, you know, the playoffs actually got started about wanting to find a big man. I'm sure things have changed, obviously, with the way Kyle Lowry's plan A uh, after the, you know, another change with the Kawhi Leonard situation uh, toning down. So that's probably not high on the list of options for sure. I just I just figured if you're going to go for a rim protector, then that could be a potential interesting one. But definitely some ball handlers uh, to fit that secondary ball handler role. Uh, would definitely be uh, be priorities for sure. Yeah, and uh, Kirk, he, he mentioned it when he was up here about DeRozan, uh, our buddy Josh Bowe, he also writes at Mavs Moneyball. He, he, mentioned, he did mention that earlier today about how DeRozan could kind of, kind of fall in the Mavs' laps like Monte Ellis did back in the day. But, I mean, 
some people aren't high on DeRozan, and I get it because, you know, he doesn't shoot threes. And today's NBA game, everybody thinks you have to be able to shoot threes if you're a, uh, you know, a shooting guard or a forward. And, but the thing is, he's so good at mid-range. And he averaged seven assists per game this this past season. Uh, that feels like the kind of secondary uh, playmaker, the secondary ball handler that Luka could really benefit from having next to him. A guy who can create his own shot, a guy who can, you know, down the stretch, it's not a question of, like, whether this guy can get it done or not, like it is with, with KP. Like, you know what DeRozan can do. Uh, so, I guess, Matt, I'll, I'll pivot back to you now here, but, I mean, uh, how should Mavs fans feel about the prospect of DeRozan? Because I personally would be absolutely thrilled if they got him. I know there's some concerns with his defensive data over the last, you know, handful of years and, and all that stuff, but he's never – he's always been the no- number one option on his team. I feel like if he comes to the Mavs and he's a second or third option – you know, that could really be a. Yeah, I mean, I look, I've been saying all summer and, you know, since, you know, since we've been talking about free agency, really, that the thing that matters above everything else is just getting good players. And De- DeMar DeRozan's a good player. Um, the guys we're talking about are all good players. They make your team better. Even though you might have to figure out a different way to fit them in, or, you know, he might not check every box that you're looking for. You're adding talent and good players to your roster. I mean, how many times have we talked about um, when Luka is on the court, or off the court, I mean, that the Mavericks are having a hard time scoring because, you know, there's just not another guy that can get his own shot and take over a game. DeMar DeRozan, even though, you know, he's more of a mid-range guy, I mean, he's still capable of scoring on anybody any night. And that's that's something that the Mavs need. They just don't have that. Um, you know, Toronto when when it was Lowry and DeRozan over there as the main two main two parts, like they were they were a force to be reckoned with. I mean, yeah, they didn't quite make it over the hump because you know LeBron James was in the East, and there's not a lot of people that made it past LeBron James in the East, as we all know. So I think DeRozan kind of gets a bad rap, um, but. I, I would love to have him on on, uh, on the Mavs if it, he's not my first choice, but you know he's a good player and that's what they need. And you know, um, Grant, I don't know how you feel about it, but there's got to be a way to fit him into the system, right? Yeah, I think honestly, if you're looking to check the secondary ball handler box and get another ISO guy and guy who can run pick and rolls, you can't be too picky with uh, you know every other box. Like it's not an ideal fit, but you know you got to get get someone to fit that role and I think uh, a lot of the options you know in that situation would be off the board and um, you know at least you have Porzingis at the five who can provide some spacing like if we're talking about just like some non-shooting big on the floor as well it'd be a little tough uh, since you'd have two guys that can be played off of to pressure Luka but at least uh, you have that uh, shooting presence at the five for sure. Yeah, and I'm just I'm I'm just kind of going through the the timeline here as we're talking, just making sure nothing <laughs> nothing crazy's going down. But uh, Wash Wash Mavs blog on Twitter, he, he's listening and says that, uh, or he's listening to Mark Followill on the ticket, and Mark Followill said that he has no feel for how how the Mavericks view uh, the rookies from last season. 
as they're, you know, because there's a new regime. And he said they're approaching this season with the idea that they have four rookies in Bay, Hinton, Green, and Terry. And see that that's kind of what I what I was thinking earlier when I said that. I know we're kind of jumping back and forth here, but um, you know that's that's kind of what uh, I was thinking earlier. You know, because it, it, it was just not a a normal season for rookies. They didn't have summer league. They had a shortened off season. The time between when the draft was last year and when the start of the season was, was like hardly any time. Uh, you know, uh, the only time Josh Green, he was the one that played the most, but really the only meaningful time he got was when the Mavs were really hit hard by COVID during that season. And, you know, he, he got to play a little bit, but still not as much as we wanted him to. So, uh, that's one thing about Jason Kidd. I know not everybody was thrilled with that hire. It wasn't hardly anybody's first choice, but I think that's one thing about Kidd uh, that I'm looking forward to. I can see him taking a chance on these younger guys, giving them an opportunity, and I'm really excited about a lot of them. I think Green, he has a lot of potential still. Uh, I think he could work his way into being a 3 and D. He's got to really work on the 3, but, you know, that was that was his uh, – that was his player type going into that draft. And we've already seen what he can do defensively. He can play defense at a high level. Uh, Tyrell Terry, we've seen what he's capable of. He had some personal stuff he was going through last year that he had to work through on top of everything else that was going on. So he seems to be back on track now and in, you know, really high spirits this off season, really looking forward to see what he can do. And just branching off of the Terry thing, I kind of feel like his ceiling, his potential, uh, might make Jalen Brunson expendable this offseason because he's going into the last year of his contract. And the way his contract is set up, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next summer. Uh, so unless the Mavs work out an, an extension now or sometime between now and ne- uh, whenever the extension deadline is next season, Uh, He's going to be an unrestricted free agent, and he can just walk for nothing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as J.J. does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love listening to us here on the Math Step Back podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you just want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show published out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance to the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. I feel like, given the potential that Terry has, given the idea that the Mavs are going so hard after another uh, veteran point guard presence, uh, I feel like it just makes Jalen Brunson an easy target, I guess, to... Uh, to be a trade, to be in a trade. And one thing I want to get you guys' opinion on is, so the, the Mavs pick, to the, the first pick they traded to the Knicks in that KP trade, it conveyed tonight. So they still have the 2023 pick that's top 10 protected. The Knicks supposedly really, really love Brunson. You know, that's been reported by multiple people. Uh, they really like him. It, it, it was... Uh, reported that they would have interest in trading for him now, uh, if possible. So I guess my question to y'all, and we'll start with with you, Matt. I mean, what if the Mavs could trade Brunson to the Knicks to get their 2023 pick back? And then that opens up so many more possibilities for trades this next season because then you can trade your 2022, your 2023, well, I guess you can't trade back-to-back, but you can trade next year's pick, the 22 pick, uh, the 24 pick, pick swaps. I mean, you can. it opens up more doors if you can get back that 2023 pick from the Knicks. So what would you think about trading Brunson to get the pick back? I love that idea. Um, I don't know how much confidence I have in Terry uh, 
whether or not he has a high ceiling or not. I just I haven't really gotten a chance to see him on an NBA floor very much, so it's hard for me to to have very much confidence in that. Now, the idea on paper I think is fantastic. I'm I'm prepared to move on from Brunson if it means getting that pick. Um even if it's not with New York, even if it's with 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 someone else, some, you know, some form of moving an established albeit frustrating player for for draft compensation that could that can open things up for us is a uh, is an exciting prospect to me for sure. Yeah, because I mean, we got we've got uh, you look at the free agency class next year. You've got Bradley Bill who's going to have a player option uh for the season after this one. So he's more than likely he's going to be uh, an unrestricted free agent, even though he's shown no signs of ever leaving Washington. <laughs> he, he might be the most loyal player ever, even over Dirk, because, you know, at least Dirk's teams, yeah, Dirk was loyal and he never even thought about leaving, but, you know, at least Dirk's teams were always competitive. They were always in the mix, you know, to be championship contenders, where Bill and the Wizards, man, they just, uh, they're just not there. And it's just year after year, they, they're just in mediocrity. And, uh, you know, kudos to Bill for sticking with it and loving the city and everything. But, man, I just uh, I just don't know if I could do it if, if I was in his situation. As talented as he is, as good as he could be, you know, in another place, like in Dallas playing with Luka, uh, I just, I don't know. I, <laughs> but, anyway, my point was he could be on the un, unrestricted free agency market Zach Levine, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. If these guys don't sign extensions, and you know, depending on how the start of this next season goes, you could potentially have like a mid-season trade. Uh, you know, if you do the Brunson deal and you get your picks back, you can you know offer a lot more to some of these teams, and as far as future picks and swaps and all that it could really open the door for something like that to happen. And I know all of these trade ideas we talk about are pipe dreamish, but you know, that that's the kind of stuff you have to do because having the, having the restrictions, the, the top 10 uh, restriction on the, the 2023 pick and it currently being in the hands of the Knicks, that just, that keeps you from doing stuff like that. Because I mean, let's face it. If you're going to, if you're going to trade for somebody like that, you're going to have to send young players and you're going to have to send draft picks. There's just no way around it. And I mean, they, they just, they can't do that unless they either get that pick back or, uh, you know, get somebody to buy it on some first round picks that are way, way far out that, <laughs> that people might not want. I mean, maybe, maybe someone would like a pick that uh, is far enough out that maybe they think Luke is going to leave at some point, but uh, I, I don't see that having much value in some of these trades for these bigger guys. But all right, so we have rambled for a good bit. We have a couple of guys that have waited very patiently here. Uh, Matt Phillips, we've talked about him leaving stuff in the chat. We're going to bring him up now. Let me see. Matt, what's up, man? Oh, not a lot. How are y'all doing tonight? Doing good, man. What you got for us? Uh, one, I'm going to say, uh, from the Mavs Moneyball people, I'm probably the only one, but I appreciate y'all's positivity, even if I don't always agree with it. It is good to be positive about the Mavs and not just always doom and gloom. I, look, um, I, I don't know if you knew this, but I wrote it. I, I was a writer at Mavs. I feel like 
basketball for a while. Uh, and so that we had some very interesting conversations in the Slack channels when I was there because <laughs> it was like night and day uh, from my irrational positivity versus, you know, what Kirk and, and those, they'd, they'd give me a hard time, but, you know, we're all friends. So uh, I, I try to bring. Oh, yeah, I got you. Um, so on the, and I can't believe I'm going into this, on the DeRozan thing, if you look at his on-off, he's only had one positive on-off in his entire career, and that was in 2011 and 12. Like, they've been worse. With, every team he's been on has been worse with him on the court than with him off the court other than that one season. He is not good. He does not help us in any way. He's objectively a bad basketball player, or at least a player that does not contribute to winning. Well, I mean, let, what would make you think that he couldn't, you know, be a better player in a reduced role? Because I feel like his usage rate, him being the first option on his team, has contributed to a lot of that. Because I've seen his on-off numbers. It's not like, I mean, it's 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 not good, obviously, but it's not like so far in the negative. At least what I've looked at it, it's not like so far in the negative. He, you you can just say he's trash. Uh, I mean, I just I feel like if you can get him to commit to a lesser role, which I think at this point in his career, uh, he said it in an interview here recently that, you know, it's more about winning at this point. Obviously, he wants to get compensated as much as he can, but making max money like in the 30 million dollar range, you know, that's not that's not something that's a main priority to him. He wants to win. So I just I feel like you put him with a guy like Luca. And, you know, if KP can be any, and it's a lot of ifs, but you put him with, with KP, if KP can even get back like 75% of what he was before the meniscus thing, uh, I just feel like it'd be a better situation for him. I feel like he could be a positive player in Dallas, and I don't know, given his ranking on the, you know, the, the player totem poles on other rosters throughout his career, I just don't know if we can gauge it the same way or predict it to be the same way based on what his his role would be in Dallas. That's just And that's certainly possible. The the argument I would make against that is that he both can't shoot and he's a terrible defender. So I question what kind of a value he would have. Like his primary value is uh as a shot creator and so taking him off ball kind of takes away the one thing he does incredibly well. But I don't really want to just talk about just uh, DeMar DeRozan. One of the things, like you were talking about the draft for other people, um, if you look at Charlotte, I think they had a really interesting draft because they they did one of the things I kind of want us to do around Luka, which is I know LaMelo Ball runs more than Luka, but he's sort of a similar player archetype in that the big creator and everything. But they are surrounding him with just insane athletes. Um, I'm not necessarily a Kai Jones fan as a player, but he is a great athlete. JT Thor is a great athlete. Uh, they they already had Miles Bridges. So it's really interesting because that's one of the things I would kind of like the Mavs to do is to just have just, you know, ath- that's when we talk about last year's draft, that's one of the things I was excited about. Josh Green's a great athlete. Tyler Bay's a great athlete. It was just to have let Luca or in their case, let LaMelo Ball create and then their athletes just run and jump. I mean, I, and again, I, I feel like, because, like, Matt and I, we raved. We raved about the draft 
last year because, I mean, we really thought that they knocked it out of the park because all those guys were like, okay, yeah, yeah, these are some players. They've got, <laughs> they've got potential. They bring a little bit of everything that we thought the Mavs needed. And, I mean, they just really, like Mark Followell said earlier, it, this is kind of like a redo season for them. You know, it's kind of, uh, we're going to see really what we've got now versus, you know, the, the crap fest that it was last year. So I'm really excited to see if, if that makes a difference. It's one of the reasons why, you know, we're not seeing a ton of act or no activity in this draft tonight. Another reason is because they just don't really have <laughs> any assets uh, to get into the draft. But uh, I just, I really think that you're going to see if they get the opportunity and they play the way I think that, I mean, I know I can be kind of irrationally confident about a lot of things, but I watched a lot of tape on those guys and especially Tyrell Terry. And I, I was all for it when uh, Kevin O'Connor on the ringer, he wrote this really detailed piece about how Tyrell Terry could be the steal of that draft. And I mean, it was, he made some very valid points and uh, I'm not saying that that's still going to be the case, but, I, st- I think he still has something there, and I, th- I think they can still salvage that draft. I think uh, Tyler Bay, he's super raw, but he has the skill set and the, you know, the physical tools to be successful uh, in the NBA. So, I mean, I- I'm-, I'm curious to see how it pans out for him. If any, if just one of those guys pans out and gives the Mavs another option, another good option, a rotation player, consistent rotation player, that's a win. On Tyler Bay, uh, one of the things that I like about him, and I've tried to point this out uh, on, on to the Mavs Moneyball guys, um, we talk about a lot of the wings that we get and potentially using them as rim runners because of KP's ability to, to space the floor. So that was kind of one of the things that a lot of people thought we might do with Michael Kidd, Kidd Gilchrist a couple of years ago whenever we got him was that offensively because they just can't shoot and that we would use them as a rim runner. But everyone, when we do that, a lot of people – I think underestimate the amount of craft that it takes to be a good screener. And that's one of the reasons I was super high on Tyler Bay before the draft is because he's an extremely crafty screener and he has the vertical to be the, the vertical spacing presence. And like, it's just when we see people do it, cause a lot of people are just like, Hey, you know, I'll have uh, like some people have mentioned doing this with Derek Jones jr. And it's just, it's not as easy. I kind of feel like it's kind of like the basketball version of if you watch Moneyball when uh, they're like, oh, teach him to play first. He's like, tell him, he's like, tell him it's incredibly easy. He's like, it's incredibly difficult. Um, being a screener and a rim runner, there's just, there's more craft to it, to knowing when to slip and when to hold a screen and like the half beat between when you go hard, when you short roll and just all of those things. And they just take reps. And Tyler Bay has been that for his whole career. So like for his whole life, he's been a rim runner and, he has that, but also physically he has the ability to defend wings and he's just a really good athlete and really long. The only problem I have, cause I was super high on Tyler Bay last year before everything. And I think part of it is that you can kind of throw away at least his offensive numbers because he never played with a creator and he's not a guy that's going to create his own look, but he looked even in his extremely limited minutes, he looked really bad last year. Now I understand that role wise, like he was basically playing, some two and small forward because of the garbage minutes he was playing and who they were playing with him, but he looked really bad. So anything for him right now at this point is just hope. And it, it concerns me to go into a season with hope as so much of a strategy as opposed to just being just that of hope. 
But yeah, I, I, I do agree with you that it's too early to give up on all those guys because I was also like all of us. I mean, everybody was super happy with the Mavs offseason and draft last year because they did basically what everybody wants them to do now. Like a lot of people are like, hey, go get wings, do all this. If you remember last year, we loaded up on wings. Yeah, that, and then yeah, think the thing about and I'm gonna have to cut you off there, Matt. Sorry, we, we gotta get to our next speaker here. I appreciate you coming on and uh and talking with us. But uh the thing with Tyler Bay that I like too and like you mentioned it, he is crafty with his screens and he has that to me, he has like a a Sean Marion light type of type of game, and I know you know people jumped me when I said that last year, like oh he's not going to be Sean Marion. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that you know that's the type of player that he is. That's how he plays the game. So, and he, he broke a record at the NBA Combine <laughs> for for max vertical. Uh, so he, he's super springy. Uh, that's the main thing, though. If he can set good spring, good screens, then he can use that springiness and you know be a good lob finisher and you know get to the rim and all that good stuff. So, um, all right, Grayson Moore. He's been waiting very, very patiently here. Grayson, what's up, man? How's it going, here, man? Yes, sir. How you doing? I'm good. Uh, I feel like I'm obligated to say, uh, Grant, welcome excited uh to have another Mavs podcaster to listen to um so okay yeah I wasn't expecting the Mavs to do anything tonight either they just I don't know I just I wasn't expecting it unless some big move with KP happened I will say now that nothing happened with KP that I think uh I think he's probably on the team until at least the trade deadline I don't think he's going anywhere um I need some convincing on Kyle Lowry because uh Everyone seems kind of sold on it, and I'm just sitting here, and I know he's good. Like, I mean, he's good, but he's 35, and you're going to commit 90 to $100 million to him. I just don't know if he's going to fall off a cliff or not. Like, that that scares me. Um, and I know that we need to bring in talent, and uh, a lot of my favorite guys are unfortunately restricted free agents. But, uh, yeah, I need to be sold on Kyle Lowry because if this is option one – the most likely thing to happen. Uh, I don't know how I feel about that. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll start out briefly here and then I'll dish it to Grant. Matt, you can give your, your take on it too. But as far as Kyle Lowry goes, the age thing, if, you know, if, if Lowry had shown some signs of like really falling off a cliff lately, that would be one thing, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. He's 35 and you know, he, he can't really contribute much anymore, but uh, I mean, he's two years younger than when the Mavs had Jason Kidd back for his second stint. Uh, he he was the only player last season to average 17 points, seven assists, and uh, five rebounds per game while shooting at least 39% from three. Uh, I know that's kind of a specific thing, but I mean, the point is he's good. I mean, he's and I mean he plays defense too, so it's not like he's just your you know, your point guard that'll go out there and score and dish a little bit. But, you know, he's aggressive. He can get rebounds. He plays defense. Uh, you know, he's kind of heavy set, not in a, you know, not in a bad way, but, you know, he's stout. Uh, he can handle his own against bigger players. Uh, so, and the thing is, yeah, he's older, but if you sign him to a big contract and it just runs through the rest of KP's, 
uh, contract, which has what two more years after this next season, so three years total. Uh, if you can like kind of line it up with that, then you know you have a lot more flexibility towards the end of those contracts. But I mean, that, that's the biggest thing for me. I if if he was showing signs of slowing down and you know breaking down uh, at this point in his career, it'd be a little bit different. But I think he would make a difference from day one. I think he would he would make a similar difference, you know, like uh, CP3 did for Phoenix, in my opinion. But I think it'd be better because, I, you know, <laughs> Luca's better than, than Devin Booker, in my opinion. So, uh, Grant, I mean, uh, let's further convince our guy Grayson here on, on Kyle Lowry. Uh, what, what do you think of it? Yeah, I think one of the main things is probably just the alternatives to Kyle Lowry since uh, some of the big fish uh, names that were once thought of being available in 2021 free agency are, are like way long gone. Like, you know, like the superstars like Giannis and, you know, Kyle, Kawhi Leonard is now, uh, you know, based off recent reporting, not on there as well. And then when you look at alternative point guard or just secondary ball handler options, I think there's going to be probably some concerns with pretty much all of them, like even some cheaper options like a Reggie Jackson or, you know, things of that nature. I think, uh, you know, you're going to have to kind of live with some of the unfortunate, uh, you know, like uh, consequences, if you will, of uh, the risk if uh, if it goes bad. But uh, leaving empty-handed would probably be a very unfortunate uh, alternative as well. I think, uh, you know, if there's not confidence in Jalen Brunson being able to step up in that, capacity I think you definitely have to take a shot at a uh, player like Lowry even if there's like some risk associated with it for sure yeah and I mean I I saw I saw somebody the other day I, I've gotten a little bit more active on our uh, podcast Facebook page posting to all these different groups and everything so as a byproduct of that I get to see some of these posts that other people put <laughs> in those groups and let me tell you if you think Mav's Twitter is wild sometimes these people on these Facebook groups there there are some takes man uh, <laughs> the most the most appalling one I saw was uh, I had posted something about Lowry in there and uh, somebody said that uh, Jalen Brunson was better than Kyle Lowry, like right now. And I was just like, man, you know, I I kind of just wanted to delete the app and just never come back because I <laughs> I like Brunson, but I mean, let's not kid ourselves here. It would be a massive upgrade to go from uh, Jalen Brunson to Kyle Lowry and to have somebody to where, like, could you imagine having somebody like Kyle Lowry? in this last postseason against the Clippers. So when Luca went to the bench, you know, things wouldn't completely fall apart. Having that experience, a guy that's won a championship, a guy that knows how to run a team. I mean, that, that would have just been amazing to have somebody like that. And we thought that was, you know, going to be Jalen Brunson because they missed him the postseason before. And we thought that, you know, he was amazing during the regular season, but you know that just it just didn't pan out. He was too small to to do anything against the Clippers. So, I mean, I think the age thing doesn't concern me just based on how Lowry's game has has aged so far. I have no doubt that you know he would be he would be a, a great contributor from game one with the Mavs, and I think he would continue to age gracefully, uh, given that he wouldn't have to do as much playing next to Luca. But what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I mean, he's, 
I think he's a perfect fit. Um, I just, you know, the, the age thing is a bit of a concern, but then you look at, you look at Phoenix and you look at Chris Paul and you say, Hey, there's a 2000 year old point guard that just took Phoenix to the finals. I mean, yeah, you had Devin Booker, but I mean, that's not a completely separate dynamic. I mean, it's still, um, you know, a veteran ball handler getting together with a, a young up and coming star. I mean, Luke is not exactly up and coming. He's already a superstar, but you know what I mean? Um, it's, 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 it's interesting because he has won a championship with Kawhi and there's not, not another player on the Mavs roster that has that on their resume. Um, so I, I don't know how you can just kind of scoff at the idea when, um, if, they, if you really think about it, if they sign Kyle Lowry, he will have been their best free agent signing in over a decade. I mean, can anybody else think of one that would be better than that? So, that, I mean, that's a win. No, no, it'd be up there. And again, I mean, that's another thing too. It's like, I, I really don't feel like, even if you have concerns over the age thing, I, I just don't feel like the Mavs are in a spot to where they can be picky. Like, can you imagine with their free agency history, if they came out and say Kyle Lowry was like, okay, yeah, I want to come play in Dallas. And then Dallas was just like, nah, we're good. Like, could you imagine the ripple effect that could have (laughs) there? It's like, it's like, okay, we finally had a big name decide he wanted to come play for the Mavs with Luca and everything. And no, no, we're good. Now that that, you, you can't do that. I mean, if if it's available, if somebody wants to, if somebody of that stature wants to come and play um, with your young superstar and help your team continue to grow, then you have to do it. But um, Grant, I want to ask you, I want to get your opinion on some, some alternate routes for the Mavs here. Say, Again, say they don't get Lowry. We've already talked about the the Pelicans situation, and you know maybe Lonzo Ball could be an option there. But I mean, what are some other options that the Mavs could be looking at going into to free agency, assuming that you know nothing else happens tonight, trade wise? Yeah, I think it's definitely a smart thing to look at, considering like New Orleans has the cleanest pathway, and they seem pretty confident they're going to get something done based off just looking at rumors uh, that have kind of come out the last few days. I think uh, you know Lonzo Ball, as you mentioned, is one option. I'm not really a a fan of that one. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is another option. I'm not particularly a fan of that one either, since his pull up shooting is pretty poor. Uh, it was actually like the worst in the NBA during his last full healthy season by a comfortable margin. Uh, I have some of those stats on Twitter and in that article that I wrote for DallasBasketball.com uh, recently. I think um, some other options, I don't think uh, just going down the line here, like a Dennis Schroeder, he's not really a favorable option either uh, due to those limitations. I think um, a cheaper option that would probably uh, be good to look at uh, is someone who can actually, you know, convert on some pull-ups, I think, uh, and just catch and shoot jump shots, tack off the catch, uh, run some pick and rolls. Uh, a Reggie Jackson, like if you trust that he can sustain some of his production that he had uh, with the Clippers during that uh, stretch run, uh, you know, whether, you know, Goran Dragic, if they decline the team option, things of that nature, yes. I think would probably be. Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> I know you would like that one, Matt. Uh 
you know, just, just some options that have a little bit of versatility, uh, you know, playing on and off the ball offensively, I think are essential uh, as sort of backup plans. Some that are in positions with their teams that are facing financial constraints, uh, like a Reggie Jackson or someone like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the one upside to, you know, the Mavs' first plans in this, this offseason season going down the drain is that it improves the chances of Matt's all-time dream of Goran Dragic signing (laughs) with the Mavs. (laughs) So, you know, depending on how all this other stuff goes, the point they're going to have to find some kind of secondary ball handler help. They're going to have to find somebody, like you said, who can, you know, get some, some easy pull up shots and, you know, run the offense just for a little bit, just to give Luca a breather. And Drogic would fit that description. Uh, A part of me kind of wonders how much he has left in the tank. Uh, But I don't know. I feel like that's an option where, and given what he signed for with the Heat over the last, you know, two, three seasons, I feel like he's a guy towards the end of his career that uh, the Mavs could maybe get. Uh, on the cheaper end of things. I feel like they could get him. Somebody in the chat just mentioned Mike Conley. I mean, I like that name too. I think Mike Conley is really good, but I think it's kind of – I don't think you have to pay as much for Mike Conley as you would for Kyle Lowry, but I still feel like, you know, you're going to have to fork over a good bit of money. <laughs> yeah, because Utah is going to be very motivated to uh, bring him back, and they'll they'll be willing to over – they'll be willing to pay the uh, – the unfavorable market tax essentially to be able to keep him since they're going to lose that space for sure. Just on the, on the Dragic, uh, Kyle Lowry conversation. Um, they're the same age. So I'm just throwing that out. They there. are, they are. But if you look at Dragic's injury history, he's got, he's got a lot more NBA miles on, on his body. In my opinion, I mean, it, that's that's what makes if you look at his how the last you know handful of seasons have gone for him and all the injuries he's endured and you look at what Lowry has done lately it's like I mean you have more of a sure thing with Lowry even though you have to overpay to get him so um all right this is going to be our last speaker of the night Addison he's been waiting very patiently Addison what's up Hey guys, how's it going? Pretty good. What you got for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, just a question about um, with the new front office. I wasn't a big fan of um, like how Rick Carlisle was such a massive fan of um Dwight Powell. And I was thinking, do you think we might be able to move off of his contract? Because I was looking this morning that if we move off his contract and um, re- renounce Tim Hardaway Jr.'s rights and um, decline Willie Cauley Stein's option, we could have up to like forty four around there sort of million in cap space and obviously you know then if Kyle Lowry wants to come and you know bring his buddy DeMar over you know we've got space to do that but if if we're just if we're focused on re-signing Tim Hardaway and keeping Dwight Powell and you know Maxi Kleber's contracts we don't we weren't I can't see a like a feasible way of even getting Lowry himself you know it's just doesn't seem that feasible as much as I would love it. Yeah, and that, that's something we talked about earlier. Good stuff, Addison. Uh, we talked about earlier with uh, Dwight Powell. You know that if you if you had told me last year before the trade deadline that the Mavs had a chance 
to trade him, I would have told you there's no there's no chance. But he actually came back pretty well from that Achilles injury, and once he worked his way back, and you know after the COVID stuff and everything towards the end of the season, he showed you know a little bit more flashes of the Dwight Powell that we became accustomed to before all that happened. Uh, you know, I was told that by somebody, uh, I was told by somebody, an NBA person that. Uh, is not Mavs related, so it wasn't biased or anything. But I was told that there was more trade interest in him around the deadline last year than what we probably, what Mavs people probably probably would have believed. Uh, so that gave me a little bit of hope that he could potentially be moved uh, if they want to move him. Uh, it was very annoying. It's like Matt used to say uh, that Dwight Powell was uh, was Carlisle's pet cat. <laughs> This is a thing he, he said very often the last couple of years, and it was true. I mean, uh, there were times where it was very clear that uh, Willie Colley-Stein worked better with certain groups, and you know, then Willie Colley-Stein would go multiple games on the bench in favor of Dwight Powell after Colley-Stein had played well, and it just it didn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, so that's another upside, in my opinion, to Carlisle being gone. I think uh, I think. You know, there's not going to be any emotional ties to any of these guys. It's going to be purely about talent, purely about, you know, who is producing. And it's not going to be, oh, well, you're Dwight Powell. You're you're a good locker room leader, so you're going to get X amount of minutes tonight. I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, and I, I welcome that. But, I mean, I, I, do, I do think Powell could be traded. I, I love that idea. If they could dump him, uh, renounce Willie, and – renounce uh tim hardaway jr's bird rights then that opens up and we've talked about the demar Derozan and kyle lowry raptors reunion on a previous pod i think that would be you know it wouldn't be Kawhi leonard-esque but i think it would probably be one of the next great things that they could do because those raptors teams with Derozan and lowry were amazing they were just missing uh, you know, a, a guy like Luca, who could be your true number one, uh, and it, you don't have to rely on those two down the stretch of big games. So, I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I think it would be definitely an interesting situation for sure. Because if you just look at some of the the other options that are out there, I think it drops off pretty significantly. As some of the people in the chat have been have been saying, if you uh, aren't willing to pay for those. Uh, uh, for Lowry, I think, uh, yeah, I just think, uh, looking around too, um, I don't know. Like, like, I think, I think if you're talking about Lowry and DeRozan, it gets a little tricky whenever you have to like outright renounce Hardaway Jr.'s, uh, cap hold. I think it, it gets a little, uh, like the timing order of operations. Like you don't want to renounce it or have him sign elsewhere just for DeRozan to decide to go somewhere else. Like it's something that you can get lined up pretty quickly. I think that, changes the situation a little bit but i just think there's a there's a little bit of risk uh involved with just timing and things of that nature for sure yeah i mean whatever happens i mean that, that again that's one of my bigger uh plans for the mavs or one of the things that i've projected that you know it i don't think it's like a full-blown pipe dream like trying to get Kawhi leonard to sign away from the clippers but you know, it's still kind of – it's hard to make it happen. But if it did happen, it would be amazing. And, look, free agency is Monday, y'all. So, I mean, it, it's coming up quick. 
Uh, we could have some activity this weekend before free agency opens. I mean, we're going to have to if the Mavs are really going to make a legitimate run at some of these guys that they're reportedly interested in. And, uh, you know, who knows what could happen. It's it's a new front office. I'm sure there's tons of different options swirling around. We'll just have to see, you know, where the Mavs end up. And no, the first half of next week is going to be insane. Uh, <laughs> I imagine we're going to be back on here for – you know, uh, a couple of emergency pods towards the the front half of next week, if not this weekend. So, uh, Grant, that's going to do it for our first episode with uh, you officially as our our new host. And uh, again, I, I just want to welcome you. And uh, you know, you, you've been on with us as a guest before, and like I said, it was just a natural transition. And we're just re- really happy to have you, man. Yeah, I really appreciate the opportunity. I always, I've always enjoyed listening to it for sure, and uh, perfect timing with all the uh, free agency madness for sure. Hopefully, we get a couple uh, interesting storylines uh, in the next coming days to to do emergency pods for sure. Yeah, and Matt, uh, I see that uh, Jericho Sims is has still not been drafted, and I think they're up to like pick number. 50 so i'm i'm really hoping that you can pull some strings there with your you know your new longhorn ties and get the maps to sign him as an unrestricted or an undrafted rather free agent <laughs> yeah <laughs> if he doesn't get he, he's a he's an intriguing guy um i i didn't expect him to go uh or to not be picked at this point i honestly kind of started feeling like he like he was going to get picked before greg brown after his um, sort of, you know, summer camp type stuff that he'd been doing. But anyway, I, that just means I don't get to go to bed anytime soon. And um, Well, okay. well, guys, we re- we appreciate it as always. And uh, be sure to go like, rate, hey. and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. And be sure to leave a review, too, because we've been giving out T-shirts uh, left and right here lately. If you, you just put your Twitter ad on there. Give us some way of contacting you if you do uh, if you do win a T-shirt. We can get it mailed out to you. So. All right, guys. We appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your night. Have a great weekend. Uh, if something really big happens, like I said, we'll be back with uh, another emergency pod. And who knows? Hopefully we can we can have some good Mavs time rolling and they can get the get the free agency monkey off their back at the start of next week. But we appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a great one. We'll see you next time. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute. Let me step back for a minute.